Welcome to Church 213. The book of James is a powerful blueprint for authentic and relational faith. Written by the brother of Christ, this unique letter challenges the minds and hearts of a church at its best. Journey with us through this book for the rest of 2023. Thanks for listening. We're going to be continuing our series uh, that we launched a couple of weeks ago. That's simply titled, A Church at Its Best. I don't know about you, but A Church Alive is worth the drive. Amen? Amen. There's a story of a beloved college professor whose course was always the first one to fill up at open registration. The professor was a campus favorite because um, he 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 was fun and he was fair. And so one day the professor surprised the class with his time quiz. Man, don't we love those? The old-fashioned pop quiz. But before the test was handed out, the professor said this to the class. He said, you only have 15 minutes. The quiz is detailed and demanding. Read everything before you get started. The first one to turn it in correctly gets 10 bonus points on the final exam. Go! Man, you can imagine what happened. Everybody started working frantically. Some questions include some adding Some questions included drawing. Some questions included folding of the paper. Some some questions uh, required some math. There was a mad dash to the finish. Everybody was just going nuts. And uh, and, and to make it all worse, there was this giant timer right in the front of the classroom. Similar to the way our our, uh, faith family, we we were looking at that timer, you know, and that thing was blinking red, and we knew we had to wrap it up. That's kind of what was happening. So the pressure was high. Well, only after about two minutes, this one student stands up, walks to the front, and turns in the quiz. The class looked stunned. The professor looked over it. Everything was right. He stopped the test. He gave the kid credit. You can imagine what was going on in that classroom. I mean, a riot almost broke out. Because most of the people were only two or three questions in. And the professor and the student, they, they obviously knew something that the others didn't because the professor was smiling and, and the student was smiling. And so the professor asked the student, he said, hey, t- tell the class exactly what you did. And the student simply said this, class, I did exactly what the professor told us to do. I read everything before getting started. See, nobody else did what they had all just been told to do. Here's what this student was able to do and and know that none of the other students were able to know. The last question on the quiz simply said this, thank you for being quick to hear and then to do. Don't complete any of the questions above. Just sign your name to the top, turn in this quiz for full credit. See, everybody in the class had the same instructions for success. Are y'all with me, church? Every student heard the same words from the professor, but only one, listen, don't, don't miss it, trusted the professor enough to believe according to the standards. And so what this test did is it, it proved which students had a genuine heart to obey. And it proved which students had a hunger for what was right that provided success intended 
for the professor. That opening illustration sets us in motion for James chapter 1. Because to be a church at its best, we have to go through individual, genuine test of an active faith. That's, that's, the, that's the purpose of James. We, we've launched that. The reason that we're journeying through James is because James is a very fast-paced, practical book. It, it moves quick. It's like, a, it's like a, bru- a blueprint. It's a test for authenticity of faith. And I like to think about it like a magnifying glass. What James does is it, it magnifies genuine salvation. And what does it magnify genuine salvation for? For people that are claiming to be in Christ. And so James lays these things out. See, not everyone we meet in church or everybody we meet on the street who says with their mouth that they know of Jesus actually knows the Lord Jesus. Jesus himself said at the the end, many will stand before me and he will say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I I don't know you. Even though you may say with your mouth, it's actually the condition of the heart to which the Lord will look. It's always a matter of the heart. Isn't it? Always a matter of the heart. Hey, listen, your mom and daddy can't save you. Teachers can't save you. Coaches can't save you. Your pastor can't save you. It's, it's, it's a personal drawing of God based on the personal decision of accountability by repentance and in faith. Lest none of us can boast. It's, it's got to be of the Lord. And so it's those that live out their faith according to Christ as King. Here, we like to check the heart a lot because I need the Lord to check my heart. Jeremiah says the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who in the world can understand it? The worst advice someone can ever give you is just follow your heart. Don't you do it. It'll, it'll take you to crystal late at night. Don't you do it. You follow the truth found in the living word. and You test your life by that. And so it's by that that we live out our faith according to Christ being king of our want-tos. And it's through that that we have an earthly endurance that proves heavenly assurance. It's found there. And so what today's message is doing, it's just like another one of those tests. It's another one of those tests that we've, that we've walked through the first two weeks. And what those tests do is we find out in James that we have to understand how to handle the instruction manual for life. And it's his word. And so today is just is, is, is testing its word. It's hearing and it's doing. It's just hearing and doing. Another one of those tests. I had a lady come up to me recently and say, Pastor, do you know what the word Bible means? And man, I was flipping all the seminary switches. I'm like, I need to, I need to pull. I mean, wh- what is she after here? Say, I knew that the, the word Bible comes from the word biblios, which just means like um, scroll or parchment. It just means a book. And I, and I did know that the collection of books and those sacred writings was first called the Bible in the, fir- in the fourth century by John Christendom. So I wasn't sure exactly what she was after. I wasn't sure what, what test she was trying to put me under. And so I just, I just smiled and said, no, I really don't. What? And she said, basic instructions before leaving earth. I'm like, man, I totally ever thought that. <laughs> of, co- of course it does. Of course it does. So, 
Let's take our basic instructions before leaving earth. And let's stand together. James chapter 1, starting in verse 19. Basic instructions before leaving earth. James chapter 1, starting in verse 19. That's where we left off. We've been working verse by verse through this. says this in verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, so to speak, slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Verse 22, But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in the mirror, for he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forget what kind of person he was. Verse 25, But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom perseveres in it. And is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works. This person will be blessed in what he does. Man, what a mighty promise. Amen, what a mighty promise. Verse 26, if anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the what? World. Man, what a call of hearing and doing. Hearing and doing. You guys can be seated. Hearing and doing. I don't know about you, but I don't want to just coast at the end of 2023. We're talking about this at our staff uh, giving a event we just all got together last night at the Kendricks and we just we just spent the you know time together around good food and good people and we all commented the same thing man this year November has flown by and 2023 is almost over and I don't want us just to coast to the end of the year church I want us to, to consider and to contemplate the goodness of God. I, I mean, God is so faithful to lead us through the book of James because it draws us so we can continue to run fast and with intentionality and with excellence and keep moving and keep moving. And so I want to be a church at its best. This, my family needs a church at its best. Your family, this community needs a church. This world needs a bride at its best. And so how are we, we going to live that out? A church at its best are quick to want some good words. That's the first thing, just a handle to hold on to from the text. How are we going to be a church at its best? Well, we need to be quick to want some good words. I used to have this guy come into my dad's convenience store, and he'd ask me this, What's the good word, Rhino? I say, I don't know it. I don't know it. Just kind of the response. What James is doing to these dispersed believers is he wants them to know, hey, you do know the good word. There's an answer for that. It's it's the word of God. Here's the beautiful thing about, 
about the Word of God. It guides us through, through difficult circumstances. You know that. It gives us wisdom. It's been the foundation of faith for centuries of believers. It's the very Word of God. It makes, it makes clear the ways of peace. It makes clear the ways of hope. It makes clear the ways of blessing and of honor and of salvation. It tells us how the world began. It tells us how the world's going to end. And it tells us how we're to live in the, in, in the dash between the dates. As intended by the Almighty Creator who existed, don't miss it, and operates outside of nature and at the same time a nature like ours. This is the most precious thing to ever be given to mankind. But yet it's, this, it's the most hated and persecuted and the book that's, that wants to be most destroyed. It causes more animosity and anger and division than anything else ever existed. Why? It just hits different. Think about that. Why does the nation rage over this? Because this is the only way that we may know what our Creator is like and all that life comes to give. And darkness hates it. And so as a church, at its best, we are, we are, we are pushing back against that. And to which the Bible says that, that gates of hell will not prevail. We can't lose if we're swinging this sucker and we're living it out, it can't. We can, we can pierce. We can, be the, we can be the tip of the spear. And so what James is doing is he's reminding these dispersed believers living with a faith under fire that they are to test their relationship with the Lord. And that test operates with how open we are to receiving the Word of God. That's, that's the context here. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. He says, hey, you need to check your heart here. Are you hungry for God's word? That's the test. Because if you are slow to hear what God has to say about a matter, it betrays lack of trust because there's a lack of listening. So just a question that, that I ask you is, do you have an appetite for the word of God? Are you hungry for it? Like, do you long for it? Man, I love to hear preaching. I don't like to hear myself preach. I have to, and I go back and listen to game film. You know, I, I'm a worst critique. I do that every week. I go back and listen to them. Like, boy, that was a bony thing to say. But man, I love, I, I mean, I love to go to church. I love to hear other pastors rel relative expose the tech, open it up and bring out new things. And man, I love to get behind somebody. I like to say, that's right, preach it. It gets me going. Do you get excited to hear it? Do, do, you, do you long for it? Teenager, would you rather get a fresh word from the morning Devo or a TikTok from a friend? Check your heart. Like, what's on your mind in the morning? Dad, is it a score or is it a scripture? Mom, is it, is it a post or is, is it his presence? See, just as a dry baby plant doesn't have to be taught the desire for the water, a child of God doesn't have to be taught to want to know what God says. It's part of the new birth. It's infused into our DNA. See, at new birth, when you're saved to walk in newness of life, you have a hunger for the life giver. 
life-giving words. You hunger for it. I've heard Celeste testify. I've heard Paige talk about it recently coming out of the water and say, Pastor, I just, I just long for it. The hunger and a thirst for Bible intake is grafted into our spiritual DNA. It's part of who we are. And so James is saying, hey, you need to be, you need to be quick to listen. You, you, you need to have that hunger and you need to have that thirst. I love Debbie. I, I, I love listening to her. I don't always enjoy what she has to say. <laughs> uh, just real life. I don't always like it. But I, promote, I, I prove my commitment to her in listening. I genuinely get excited to hear about her day. I, I, and she knows if I'm just faking it. She knows if I really want to hear about her day. Because that connection, see, if I don't want to spend time with my family, can I really say I love them? Right? I mean, if I can go days and weeks without Mexican food, can I really say that salsa is my delight? Can you? I mean, I mean, for me and my house, we say go dogs, right? But if I don't know that we had 472 total yards of offense, and if I don't know that Beck, Beck went 24 for 30 with 298 yards, 300, three touchdowns and zero interceptions, can I really say that I'm a dog fan? No. Go dogs. That's, that, that's my roll tide brother. Praying, praying for his redemption. Oh. For his why? Here's why. Because what I believe to be true is marked by my lifestyle pursuits. Jesus himself said in John 14, 15, If you love me, obey my commands. And so we're saved by and we're made pure before the Lord by the word of God. Jesus was the word that became flesh and dwelt among us, which means this. The nature and the character of God was in full expression through the God-man Jesus Christ. And it's in His existence and it's through His expression that we really live. And that's why the world hates it. Because it bankrupts the world's systems and it deposits everything into the bank of heaven. Y'all write this down. The person who's been adopted into the family of God through the cross of Christ responds gladly to his words. Responds gladly to the words. Y'all, I've been looking forward to preaching this all week. Now she can really hang on to it as we move into to Thanksgiving. We should approach God's perspective. With James is saying, with a quickness of hearing. The idea is that we should be hungry to take in all that God has to say about every matter. And not just that, but to be careful to act so we don't wound our testimony. That's what he says. My dear brothers and sisters, this is a test for the fellowship, for the brotherhood, the sisterhood. Understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. The context is how you are open and receptive to the Word of God. We have to be careful to act on what we hear so we don't wound our testimony. What this is saying is, hey, we got to slow our roll when we're listening to the Word of God. 
let your, let your flesh settle down and sit down and, and give your Holy Spirit conscience time to stand up and come to the front. Slow to act and quick to listen to what? To that inner voice when you feel your, your inside temperature rising. That, that's, a, that's a key that we're getting from, from the, that's the key that we're getting the message from God right. When we can slow our roll and we, we can let what we've just heard in God's word bubble to the top and we can let our flesh and anger kind of take a back seat for a moment. Scripture says this. Um, Proverbs 17. The one who has knowledge restrains his words. One who keeps a cool head is a person of understanding. Even a fool is considered wise when he keeps silent. <laughs> Discerning when he seals his lips. <laughs> Goes on to say this. How happy is those whose way is blameless who walks according to the Lord's instruction. Verse 10 says... I have sought you with all of my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. Verse 14 says, I rejoice in the way revealed by your decrees as much as in all the riches. The psalmist is saying, oh man, I can't, I'm hungry for this. I, I have an appetite for this. And so what James is saying is, hey, you have to have an appetite for it. You have to be quick to hear it. But you have to be very, very slow to anger about what comes into your life. And here's the thing about anger. Anger in itself isn't bad. It's a secondary emotion. There, there's things that we are just angry about and we should be angry about. There's things that we see in our nation that ought to upset us in our heart. The Bible calls it a, a, a righteous anger. We ought to have things that, that get us fired up in Jesus' name. But when we are quick to listen and to contemplate we can get fired up in Jesus' name without embarrassing Jesus' name. Amen. That's the key. We can act without we 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 can act out without acting out of character and pushing someone away from from uh, from really seeing what Jesus has called us to do and how we are to act. The, the Bible tells us that there is a righteous anger. The key is to be quick to turn to God's word and His voice so that we don't act out in a way that's going to prevent the life of Christ from flowing in us. Man, you can, if you're not careful, you can, you can be too quick. You can close the door for God to actually use what's going on in your surroundings. And you just you fly off a handle, and it hits everybody. Before you know it, you're in a heap of, of trouble. And so James says, be slow to speak. And be slow to anger when it comes to the implanted Word of God. We have to live in a pause place more than a speaking place, is what I'm saying. Because here's the reality. Getting mad at, at what God says about how you are to run your life rarely makes it any better. You guys know what it's like. Have you ever put together maybe some type of... Uh, piece of furniture that you order from Ikea or Amazon and it comes in this big box and it's all that press board stuff that you know if you sneeze on it, it's just going to fall apart. Y'all with me? And you open it up and you have all these nuts and bolts. And you ever open up the instruction manual about halfway in? You're like, just forget it! 
and you throw the manual out and you just start cramming pieces where they don't go and start twisting things that have no business being twisted and you, you get it all up and you realize that half the bolts are still left in the back. That, you know, that's the idea. When you get angry at the instructions and you decide to throw the instructions out, you're not, you're not slow to listen to them. You're quick to speak and you're quick to act and you're quick to anger and it never makes anything better. Here's another thing I've realized. Hardly ever are you going to bring someone to Christ by letting them see your anger. You're not going to see it. Your, your anger says a lot about, a lot of, a lot about your wall. It, ne- it rarely makes things better. It rarely helps the process because being angry, what James is saying is, it doesn't produce the righteousness of God. It's the wrong platform. You, you're using the wrong megaphone. You're preaching the wrong message. Let's read together my... Verse 19 says, my, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen. He's talking about the word. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. The word slow, the idea is to, to be careful. Walking cautiously. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. You can't... You can't platform Christ if, if, you're, if you're hung up on, on unrighteous anger. Because that person you've been witnessing to is watching how you hang, handle the anger. They're, they're watching. You guys write this down. A slip of anger in the heat of the moment is a powerful way to push away a searching soul. A slip of anger in the heat of the moment. Man, that is a powerful way to push away a searching soul. And that's the thing about anger. It'll take you out of the will of God. And you'll be out there on an island before you even know it. Y'all, one of the most vile and vicious and hurtful things I've ever said to another human being happened many years ago when I was quick to speak and quick to anger. It's one of the biggest regrets of my life. I'd never felt more dirty and filthy and morally bankrupt than, than in that moment. Because the love of Christ that I'd been trying to, to show him up until that moment was erased. And in a moment, it was undone. And for, and for the next few weeks, he slowly worked his way out of my life. He never came back in. says, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourself of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Man, I'm going to tell you, when I had a word vomit, I felt like I wasn't even saved. So much, so much damage was done that I felt everything in here, moral filth, evil that was so prevalent. It was just the world just, just came out of my life. Right here what James is saying. 
Elbert Hubbard said it like this, discretion is leaving a few things unsaid. There's some things you ought not say. It's okay to be quiet. Y'all with me? Discretion. James is telling us, hey, put on God's perspective in your life. I get that. What, what God says might, to, to, to do might not be what you want to do, and it, it might not be what culture says you should do, but listen to God's Word. Listen and put God's Word in your heart. And I'm saying, James is saying, wait for it. Receive it humbly. Don't get angry at the Lord's boundaries. Instead, place yourself under it, under its authority. Why? So that it can deliver you from the ditches of despair and transform you to more like Jesus. If you just let it, let it reside and let it sit and contemplate it and let that thing work, man, it will keep you on the narrow path. These words are faithful and true. The Bible says, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so being quick to listen means to have a faith that welcomes God's view on a matter. God, what? I don't know what to do, Lord, but I don't know how to feel about this situation. I don't know what to do with him. I don't know what to do with her. What, what thus saith the Lord? I'm hungry for it. I don't want to be double-minded. I'm single-minded. It desires God's wisdom in this situation. Being quick to listen means you crave it. You wish for it. Long for it like a, like a hungry hostage. Put on that godliness garment unto the glory of His name. So if we're going to be a church at its best, we've got to be quick to want some good words. Put it to the test. Put it to the test. Something else to hang on to, to be a church at its best. We're quick to do some good works. Quick to do some good works. Look at verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. It's a both and and. See that? They work together. When you tell your kids something, do you want them to hear you or actually do what they just heard you say to do? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? You're like, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourself. See, the enemy wants to deceive you. He wants to, he wants to use the spirit of deception to draw you away from truth. And so what James is saying is, unless, unless you were deceived, you should not only hear it, but you should also do it. The two work in tandem. They're a dynamic duo. If not, you're deceiving yourself, thinking that it's going to work, but it's not going to work because you're not willing to work it out. And so because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like someone looking at his own face in the mirror. It's a personal aspect here. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. Hey, don't forget, see, James is writing to these dispersed believers. Faith in the fire, they're spread out. They're being flushed out because of persecution. And what he's doing is he's bringing a test by which they measure their discipleship by. This is a great measure for discipleship. Making discipleship. I love what Pastor Dom said at the annual celebration Sunday night. He said this. He said, he said, a test of a true sheep is how well they're able to reproduce themselves. That's a test of a disciple. I like to think of discipleship 
as a picture of, of, of one believer reaching up to a more mature believer who's got their hand out, pulling them along, but at the same time reaching down to an immature believer who they're trying to pull along. A three-chord strand can't be broken. So that's, that's the picture. You ought to be reaching ahead for someone that's trying to duplicate their maturity in you, and then you're growing and you're trying to duplicate your maturity in them, and the chain continues, and all of us move together toward the, to, the, uh, to be more conformed like the person of Christ. And so this is a test of that. Discipleship is a test of genuine salvation. Because if you're not interested in being a sheep and reproducing yourself in other sheep, can you really say that you're a sheep? Shepherds don't make sheep. Sheep make sheep. And I'm a, and I'm a sheep before, way before I'm a shepherd. I'm just one beggar trying to tell another beggar, beggar where to find bread. That's kind of where we are. That's a picture of discipleship. And it only happens when you react to what you've received. Think about a full-grown oak. It's not produced in three years, is it? And neither are strong servants of God. Because we teach what we know. And we reproduce what we are. And we are what we routine. You have to want to be a disciple. You really do. Listen, if we, if, if we, could, if we could inspire discipleship, the hunger for discipleship in each one of you, we would. But we, we can't. We, you can't. You can't program discipleship. You can't make a sheep want to be a better sheep, right? It's, it's the work of God. So a wonderful prayer to pray in the morning is, Lord, help me to follow you deeper today. Help me, help me to, uh, to, to yearn for you and, and to want to grow in your word. And God, help me to be a better follower Help me to bring somebody along with you. Help me to, to make you a priority. Seeing is being. Growing is going. Knowing is doing. That's a mark of saving. Is saving faith. It's what you put into action. Y'all write this down right here. Saving faith. What is it? It's marked by a proper reception. And it's made by a proper reaction to the Bible. The word there is marked and made. Saving faith is marked by a proper reception. And it's made by a proper reaction to the Bible. Man, I launched, I launched kind of our four pillars, our four sales for 2024 Sunday night. It was basically this. Doctrine is our bedrock. Unity is our glue. Ethics is our power. Jesus is our king. And so I'm going to be saying that a lot. Over the next year. Because that's really, that's really who we are. A church at its best. Doctrine is our what? Bedrock. Unity is our glue. Ethics is our power. Jesus is our king. Jesus is our king. So what James is saying here is saving faith is marked by a proper reception. Doc, doctrine is our bedrock. And then it's made by a proper reaction. Unity. Glue, ethics, it works out of what we know. The reason James uses the mirror is because you know as well as I do, nothing gives you a clearer reflection of yourself than a mirror. Which is how some people don't want to even look in the mirror. Because it tells the truth. 
right? The, the mirror shows you the reality. You might not like it, but you know it's telling you the truth. You know it's telling you the truth. But here's the thing about the mirror. It can't change you, can it? It can't change you. What does it do? It just exposes you. That's, that's it. That's all the mirror can do. It exposes you, and hopefully it calls you into action. Like, oh, not good. Exposure calls you in action, but what, what, you, what you do when you turn your face from it is on you. It's not on the mirror. It's on me, and, and it's on you. Life looks different only through the proper reaction to God's Word. And so time with the Lord, what is it intended to do? To calm our hearts, to, to wash our conscience, raise God to straighten, out, straighten our worry so we can be free. But, but that comes when we actually act on the law of liberty that the gospel brings. And I love the way James transitions. He goes from brothers and sisters to hearing the word. And then he goes to being not just a hearer, but a doer. And then he talks about, hey, what does the doing actually do? It actually gives you liberty. It gives you freedom. It gives you purpose. It gives you life. It gives you direction. It gives you hope. It gives you all the fruits of the Spirit. Look at verse 22. But the doers of the word, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like someone looking at his own face in the mirror. Where he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer who works this person will be blessed you see the connection blessing is tied to doing and doing is tied to hearing what the word of God says time with the Lord is priceless what Jesus says is he came to give us life and to give it to the full did you catch it to the to the full which means when we live right, we act right. And when we act right, we feel right. It's not rocket science. And it's foolish to walk away from the mirror without action and expect to feel any different. It's just not going to happen. Because the mirror can't change you. It, sh it just shows you. It shows you that, that the, the narrow path leads to full life. It seems, it seems backwards. But that's the story of Christianity. It always seems upside down. The beauty is found right there. That, that, that's the story of the Bible. It's countercultural. How can you really be free if you're a slave to something? How can you really feel like you can live out and live with peace and have everything that you think you really need and what you really want by placing yourself in the boundaries of something? How, how, how does that actually happen? Well, it's because there's a difference between worldly freedom and biblical freedom. Biblical freedom is, is, is better understood in the word liberty. I don't want you to miss it. Even our founding fathers said, give me liberty or give me death. For the pursuit of happiness, life, 
liberty and the pursuit of happiness. It didn't say freedom. It said liberty. See, here's the thing. Biblical freedom is not the ability to do whatever you want. It's the afforded privilege to pursue what is right. And so our founding fathers in our nation, this one, we got a lot of things wrong, but goodness, we got a lot of things right too. There's a reason why we are able to pursue what is right according to the Lord and people have given their lives toward that pursuit. That's why we celebrate last week, Veterans Day, people that are fighting for the opportunity to be afforded the privilege to pursue what is right. I don't know if you've ever realized it, but there are, there are nations and other uh, forms of government around our world that can't pursue what is right. They can't. They're, they're in bondage to it. They can only pursue they can only, they're forced to pursue what is not correct. If you just boil down social science, all this, all this comes to life, and, and it shows that, that this, the biblical paradox is, is so true, and it proves it more and more every year. Studies are showing that couples in committed monogamous Christian marriages statistically are happier, healthier, wealthier, and wiser. It's, it's, the, it's the paradox that the world just can't understand. It's the liberty. It's the, it's, the, it's the pursuit of what's right that makes the world go, I don't understand how you can be so free when you're living under all these rules. It's not about rules. It's a relationship that leads to, 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 full, to fullness of life. Kids from homes of Christian parents are testing higher. They're less disruptive. They're less rebellious, more creative, and are more grounded in the realities of life. You want to follow the science? It's right here. The numbers don't lie. This is because the law of freedom is found in doing what you're hearing. And so if you look at the word, uh, if you look at verse 22, it says, but be doers. Some translations use a better word, and, and the word is prove. Some of your translations may, may say prove. I use the CSB, so it's a, it's, it, it says doer. But I think prove is better because the Greek word prove is genomai. Genomai. Now here's the thing about that verb. I don't want to lose you. Hang with me. It's in the present middle imperative, which means this. It's a command that's expected to be followed, not once, but as an ongoing process. Ongoing. So I expect my children to obey, not just one time, right? Obey. It's, it's a present middle imperative. It means I expect Parker and Emma and Sadie to always obey. It's an ongoing forward progress. And so what James is saying is, hey, we are, we are to be a doer. We are to prove it as we go all the time by our actions. It goes forward. Make no mistake, freedom isn't doing whatever you want, when you want, or with, with however you want, with whoever you want. That, that it's operating freely inside of the boundaries of God. Going and doing what you want all the time is not freedom at all. That's actually bondage. That's slavery because it leads to a disaster. And so if God wants the best for you, He certainly wouldn't want you to live 
freely. What he wants is for you to have liberty. He wants you to have the passion to go chase after and the ability to live out what is good according to his standards. And it's in that lifestyle that God promises to give you blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Because it's in that environment, don't miss this, that he's able to bless you. You become a blessable vessel. Not every vessel God can bless. If you're off the road in the ditch, God can't bless you. Because it's being applied to an unfaithful, unobedient vessel. So what do we do? We come to the Lord and say, man, I've blown it. God, thank you for your grace. Your mercy is new every morning. Get me in right alignment with you. Let me hunger and thirst for what you say. Matthew 6, says that we should, we should hunger and thirst for his righteousness and all other things will be added unto us. If we worry about managing his kingdom, don't you worry about our kingdom. He, he can work that stuff out. Just put him first and watch him work. So the idea is, is the lawgiver. Listen, I, I can enjoy the freedom of the road as long as I drive according to traffic laws. I see blue lights behind me. I, I no longer feel free. I feel scared. You with me? It's all fun and games until somebody gets hurt. My dogs are free to, to be themselves in safety and security as long as they stay inside the laws of my yard. Are y'all picking up what I'm putting down? A player enjoys the thrills of the game as long as they stay between the laws of the lines. And a married couple can experience the safety and the security and the satisfaction of intimacy for decades within the boundaries of the designer. And all that comes from just the word discipline. It's just an old-fashioned want to. And what does discipline bring? Man, this is gold right here. You can, you can hang this on your Christmas tree and show it to your friends. Discipline brings abundance. Discipline brings abundance. But abundance, unless we use the utmost care, will destroy discipline. That's why the Bible is clear. We have to be very careful in our abundance because it'll, it'll distract us. But it's in our discipline that leads to abundance. Discipline in its fall pulls down with it abundance. And that's the idea of the law of liberty. It's that of discipline. For the believer, it's clear. It's more than just what you have claimed to have. Don't miss it. In just some religious experience. It's what you actually live out in light of God's word that leads to a life of purpose. And if you boil it down and you kind of step back from the crazy media platform that we're on, you step back from all of that and you're able to be discerning, you understand that the reason America is the freest country to have ever existed is because we have re restricted ourselves to the law of nature and nature's God. And what has that done? That has propelled us to levels of abundance never seen in the history of mankind because of the pursuit of liberty. And there's been a lot of blood spilled so that we can pursue what is right. But that is not, that's not where we are. That, that is, we're, we're losing that. We're, 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 the reason that we're losing abundance in America is because we're losing our liberty. 
Because as a whole, our leaders want to be free to do what's right in their own eyes. And what are they doing? They're forfeiting discipline. And everything's coming unraveled at the seams. But I'm not, I'm not worried. And I know my, my Lord says, don't let your heart be troubled. So I'm not troubled. I'm concerned, but I'm not troubled. Thinking about discipline leads to abundance. First Timothy tells us this. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, which is what we have a chance to do together every single week, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus, a church at its best, nourished by the words of faith and the good teaching that you have followed, receiving and reacting. But have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourselves in godliness, for the training of the body has limited benefit. But godliness is beneficial in every way, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Come on! This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. We can take it to the bank. For this reason, we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all, especially to those who believe. What's this saying? Is we ought to go out and we ought to be disciplined in front of everybody, but especially to our brothers and sisters who we do life with every single day. Church, I, I love the way James wraps up this passage because he wraps it up with, with something that's very practical. He is not interested in the words you might have heard me preach on Sunday if you're not willing to live it out on Monday. He's saying you've got you to be, be slow to listen to this word, contemplate it, and then if it's, if it's true to you and if it's real to you, you'll live it out. You can't help it. If it's in here, it's going to come out. See, when you come forward and you make a decision for Christ, and it's an invisible, it's an invisible exchange between your old nature and your new nature. New nature. It's invisible. But I'm here to tell you, if it's, if it's real, it won't be invisible for long. Because you'll, be, you'll begin to hunger for new things. And you'll, be, you'll be guilty for different things. And, and you'll begin to treat people and see people differently. What is going on in my life? People will look around and say, what's going on with that life? It's because what is real is being lived out. And so James ends this talking about just that. Look at, verse, look at verse 26. So it says, If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless. and He deceives himself. If you can praise God on Sunday and cuss somebody out on Monday, you got a problem. You got a problem. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. A church at its best, it listens. A church at its best, it it looks and it leans and it takes its vertical worship onto horizontal expression and begins to turn the world right side up. So what do we do? This is the last thing. We'll fill it in. We're done. Watch our mouths with patience. We work for those most in need with compassion. 
and we wash our conduct in the culture. We watch our mouths in patience. We work for those most in need with compassion. And we wash our conduct in the culture. There's a family friend that we went to church with for years, and goodness, I've known him for 25 years, and I probably have heard him say 25 words. And his name is Lee. And so often... When Parker leaves the house, I give him this piece of advice. What? Be a Lee. <laughs> Be a Lee. Just listen. But man, the fruit in his life has, has continued to be bountiful year after year after year after year. His yeses are yeses and his noes are noes. And he, he speaks with his life. He speaks with his character. He speaks with his discipline. He's a disciplined man. In church, we... We're given a test every day. Every day that you wake up is a test. And I pray we, we each individually read and re, re, react to the, to the amazement of, of many that we have been actually set free. So put it to the test. Take the test. Hang on to what is good. Get rid of what is bad. And go live life for His good purposes. Because if it's real, you can't hold it down. Let's stand together. Hey, I'm going to ask our praise team to come on up. The title of the message was clear. Um, hearing and doing. A church at its best are quick to want some good words, quick to do some good works. And so I just want to say in the next few minutes, just <clears throat> what will the Lord have you do? And how much longer are you going to wait to do it? What does the Lord want you to do? And how much longer are you going to wait to do it? That may be simply stepping out, hearing the word for the first time and say, Pastor, I have been hearing the words of life week after week after week. And week after week, I'm more convinced I don't have a relationship with Christ because I've never repented and believed in the name of Jesus and followed Him in baptism. It's with our mouth that we receive salvation it's it's with water we receive righteousness because it's a proof it's a it's an external example of what is internally true in your heart some of you guys have been fighting this thing for far too long you need assurance as you move into the christmas season i would love for this christmas to be the most beautiful christmas ever because it was the christmas that you came to the savior who came to you Hey, maybe you're a spiritual orphan. You're a believer, you've been baptized, but you, you just don't attend anywhere. You don't have a, a church family. I'm telling you, don't go through life as a believer without a family. We'd love to have you here at this place. So if you want to you talk about what does that look like for me? What, is this, what does it look like to be a part of a Baptist church with a band? I love to talk about 213. Because it's the story of God's faithfulness. I don't know. I don't know what God wants you to do. I don't know, but but I, I'm just encouraging you to let the implanted word work in your heart and then act it out if it's real. Let's pray together. God, you're so good to us. I don't know why. Because we certainly don't deserve it.
God, you should have pushed us off the timeline of humanity years ago, Lord. Why would you give us life knowing that we would stumble and fumble? Lord, and be wayward in our hearts. But you did in order to bring glory to yourself because it's only through the wayward human who is redeemed that the angels rejoice and sing about your glorious wonder. God, what a mighty billboard we are every day in our lives because of how much you love us, how much you use us, God, how you dwell with us, not leaving us on ourselves, but always providing a way for us to know you and walk with you, Lord. God, what you've done in this place so far in 2023 is, is just been miraculous. Life changed, homes impacted, marriages restored, teenagers, futures, the trajectory of their lives changed forever. Because of your implanted word, Lord, your word is evidence that you're alive and you love us. And so, Father, we just simply lay the next few minutes at your feet, asking you to do what only your word can do, and that's to draw people out of darkness to light. Lord, the dark areas of our lives, Lord, you would, you would shine that light in there. We would have more joy and peace than we've ever had before, knowing that you see it, and yet you call us out from that place, Lord. May our altar be a place of needs and praise this morning. Father, please grip us in a new, a new way in the next few minutes, Lord. Don't let us be content in our worship. Let us get a glimpse of glory. God, you're jealous for it. May no rock cry out in our place over the next few minutes, Lord. I pray that you would do what only you can do. Wrap your arms around us. Pull us close so that we live life a little differently because of what we've experienced today. God, why do you love us? Because you're good. And for that, we say thank you, Lord. Father, as we move into the Thanksgiving season, God, maybe we hunger not just for the trimmings on the table that's going to be in our families and in our kitchens, Lord, but may we hunger more than ever before for your righteousness and for your word. And God, that hunger would show us something. If there's people in here that don't have a hunger for your word, Lord, I, I pray that you would show them today, Lord. They may, have a, they, have a, they may have a heart that's out of alignment with you in salvation. Father, today would be the day that they get it right so they can live right, so they can die right, so that you may get all the glory in our lives. God, I thank you for every single person that's represented in this place the thanksgiving that they have, the homes they represent, and the impact that's waiting for us outside of these doors. God, we say we love you. We love you. We love you. We pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said.